You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 256 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Today is Friday, November 19th, 2021. And very often for the past, oh, I don't know, year, two years, two and a quarter years, I have been very keen to say, thank God it's Friday. By the time it's Friday, I am exhausted. I am ready for the weekend. I am hoping for some rest. But this week, I actually have been home for almost the entire week, with the exception of running out for errands, of course, here and there, going to the store, picking up something for my wife or the kids or what have you. But I have been home all week. I put in my two weeks notice with my employer, my soon-to-be, officially, former employee uh, relationship is no longer, and I am moving on to a new venture this coming Monday. I was expecting two weeks. Finish out, wrap things up, put a bow on it, and shake hands and go. Apparently, one person in particular did not like that idea. He wanted it to be go home immediately. He wasn't there, but he wanted it to be, you're done now. You can't resign. You're fired. Uh, That did not go quite how he wanted it to go. But it also didn't go the two weeks that I was intending out of a sense of honor. And so I worked one week, wrapped everything up cleaned it up to the best of my abilities, and I've been home all of this week, which I had planned to be my second week. But I start a new job this coming Monday, and I'm very, very excited about it. I'm extremely excited about it. I think that this is going to be a really, really good fit for not just me, but for my family. And as I always say, work for me is a means to the end. It is not an end unto itself. I've got to be doing some kind of work. Work is a good thing. It's God made. It is not a result of the fall, although its difficulty very often is affected adversely by the fall. Work was part of the original scope of existence for Adam and Eve in the garden before they ate the forbidden fruit. And so also in my case, I like work. I just want my work to be productive and I want to be able to take care of my family holistically. And with this new job, I will be working 100% remote from home, seven days on, seven days off. So I get plenty of days off. My days on will be long, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But so long as I can focus up at home, I will be doing so. I will be working 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on my days on 
from my home office. So this week has been a lot of trying to get my home office cleaned up, get things wiped down, get things refreshed, get things reorganized a little bit. I've got a new shelf coming that's going to go along the wall next to my desk, and I'll be able to display my books and tchotchkes and what have you, various things, various sundry things. And meanwhile, we've got a new computer coming for the kiddos. I don't know how well that's going to work when I'm working as far as everybody having access to my home office because it's also our computer room. If I won the lottery and we were getting a, a new house, I would definitely want my home office to be a separate room from our computer room. But such as it is, we've got headphones coming. As long as the boyos are quiet, as long as Evelyn's quiet while they're doing their schoolwork, shouldn't be too much of a problem. We can get them set up to do their math on these other computers. Lauren can certainly uh, do whatever it is that she needs to do on her computer, sewing stuff, research, homeschooling stuff, what have you. But working from home, I get questions from some folks uh, already who have heard about the new job situation. Uh, have you ever worked from home or do you think you'll like that or how's that going to go? You know, you've got a, a big family. How are you going to do it? Well, the answer is that I have worked from home before for, I think it was two years at uh, r Carriers in Wilmington, Ohio. I was a data entry clerk early in Lawrence in my marriage. That was my first real job, like real, real job. It didn't pay a whole lot, but after an initial period of getting my feet under me at the terminal, I was able to take the computer home, get set up in my home office, and it was great. It was a Monday through Friday thing. It wasn't a seven on, seven off like this is going to be. Now, granted, my kids were a lot younger. I think Lauren and I only had Josiah and Eli, and then Solomon came along while I was in that period. So very young, but I really enjoyed those days. I enjoyed being able to be home, have some little interactions with Lauren and the kiddos, have lunch with the family, interact, listen to audiobooks. That's when I actually started listening to audiobooks. It was way back in the day, working from home for RNL carriers and listening to sermons. I listened to a lot of sermons. I would just play through the entire catalog of Mark Driscoll sermons as I worked. And I think with this new opportunity, it's going to be a situation in which I can listen to audiobooks all day if I want to. I don't know if I'll make it only audiobooks. It'll probably be a little bit of a combination of audiobooks, podcasts, and sermons and lectures and things like that, and music, of course. But I want to get my audiobook listening back up again. I don't want uh, to stay on this 
trend here for the past few months. I really haven't been listening to audiobooks like I was because I've been just really distracted, really stressed out with trying to resolve the work situation. And such as it was, I didn't want to be dividing my attention too many ways. Thinking about audiobooks is kind of hard when you're really trying to figure out uh, a conflict or how to extricate yourself from uh, what isn't working. And now that I've got a new job, of course, there's going to be an initial period of just figure out how to do this new job, focus up on that, learn that. But I would imagine at a certain point that will be established a pattern, a routine, a rhythm. Maybe some tasks are going to be fairly uh, copy-paste. You just it's, it's almost like uh, grunt work. You're just going to do this over and over again and then go back through and validate. I would imagine there's going to be some of that. We'll see. But at a minimum, it's going to be less taxing as far as stress level. I'm, I am confident of that. At a minimum, it's going to be less taxing as far as the commute. Uh, the commute is just, you know, throw on some socks and uh, walk from my bedroom to the home office. So very excited about that. And, you know, of course, I'm looking at the prospects for this industry. I work in the oil and gas industry, as many of you know, most of you know, I think. And I have worked in the oil and gas industry since 2012. May of 2012, I started working for ConocoPhillips. And I've seen the ups and the downs, and I've researched the industry and talked with plenty of people who've been in it for decades enough to know that that's just that's part of what it is. That's the nature of it. You have booms and you have busts. And because people are fickle, sometimes the industry gets whacked with a lot of regulation, a lot of unfriendly uh, pushback from politicians. In our day, that takes the form of climate activism. But sometimes it's just, hey, the supply and demand dynamics uh, have depressed the price. A lot of people jumped in to produce a lot of oil because prices were high and they produced so much relative supply and demand dynamics that the prices have come down and now they're not all making money like they were. And so the the industry just kind of revs and then it dies down again. And it revs and it dies down again. But right now we see oil prices rising and I'm optimistic about what that'll mean for opportunity for myself, for the people that I have called colleagues at various companies in the industry. I think it's going to be a a good time for us in terms of being able to pivot. If we want to do something new and take our career in a different direction, it's going to mean more job security, better pay, more hours probably, but that can be nice if you've been pinched back here recently. One thing that bothers me, and it does irritate me more than just for how it's going to impact me, I think just because I do care about 
my country and I do want to see it do well. I want to do well by my family and I want my family to live in a prosperous country. It irritates me to see headlines like the one on the Epoch Times this morning. Biden asks China to consider releasing reserves of crude oil in effort to meet supply demands. White House. Catabella Roberts published this one this morning. And I look at this and I think, why? Right? Why? Why would you why would you ask China to do us a solid? Why would you ask China to open up their reserves to meet supply demands? When you've got energy companies here at home that you are putting the screws to. Why would we rely on China as if China is going to do it for our sake because you asked them to? Old friend, Xi Jinping trolled you the other day at your summit, your virtual Zoom summit, calling you old friend because you've said in recent years, you are not old friends. He called you old friend, which was funny. But China is not a friend. They are a competitor at best. They're an adversary at worst. Uh, We might potentially have a major war with them in the coming decade. And you asking them to open up their reserves, why would they do that? If they're thinking about potentially having a war with you, Aren't they going to say, ah, no, we need to keep this just in case we come to blows with you? I mean, I, it's just, it's nonsense. For, it's, it, it's silly. It's silly. It, it would be silly for them to say, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, why don't we just, <laughs> why don't we just use it all? We'll, we'll use it all so you don't have to ease up on oil and gas companies in your own country. Absolutely, yeah. We we totally want to get you out of a pinch. OPEC also has been asked by the Biden administration to increase production. There's a piece at climatedepot.com by Jeff Dunetz from a couple of days ago. Looks like November 17th is when that piece was published. The title is U.S. oil producer to Biden. Don't ask OPEC to increase production. Ask us. A year ago, America was an oil exporter. Now, oil prices are on the rise. Natural gas prices are expected to go through the roof. Heating your home this winter is going to be very expensive. And I do believe, I could be wrong, but I do believe this winter is supposed to be colder and snowier than winters we've had in a while. But don't forget global warming. Oh, oh no, no, it's not global warming. It's it's climate change, climate disruption, climate catastrophe, climate crisis. Let's not call it global warming anymore when instead of warming, the planet gets cooler and then it gets warmer and then it gets cooler. With energy prices spiking, President Biden went to OPEC and asked them to produce more oil. American energy companies tell Biden He can get the oil cheaper and faster by removing restrictions and asking American companies to produce more oil. Jeff Dunetz writes, In 2020, the last year of the Trump presidency, the American economy reached a long-desired goal, energy independence. However, during Biden's first days in the White House, he signed executive orders stopping drilling on federal land, including the much-desired drilling at Anwar 
in Alaska. He canceled the Keystone XL pipeline and recently announced he is considering shutting down the L5 pipeline running from Michigan to Canada. These executive orders sent energy companies a message that he intended to keep his promise to kill the fossil fuel industry. Don't ask OPEC. When you're going to kill our domestic energy industry, don't ask OPEC. Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. I can't think of one of them that we are especially cozy with. It's kind of like asking China to open up their strategic reserves. Continuing on. Worried their businesses were facing attacks from Team Biden, energy companies became reluctant to commit more money into new oil and gas production. Also, institutional investors who have traditionally invested in fossil fuel companies have become energy woke. They have cut them out of investment portfolios entirely. Adding to Biden's anti-energy programs is that the COVID pandemic is waning, increasing demand for oil, further increasing prices. Per the World Bank, crude oil prices are expected to average $70 in 2021, an increase of 70%. They have projected the average cost of crude to be $74 a barrel in 2022 as demand strengthens and reaches pre-pandemic levels. Now, that's the World Bank. Bank of America recently said that they expect oil prices to get up to $120 a barrel by the summer of 2022. So the World Bank is being very conservative there, and no wonder. Also, it is worth noting, with regards to what oil prices were like a year ago, oil prices being negative briefly was a phantom. That was a product of shutting down the global economy entirely, hard and fast which never should have happened, that never should have been handled the way that it was. It was obvious to me from the very beginning that the better strategy would have been tell your people who are the highest risk, your elderly, people with underlying health conditions, to work from home or isolate or what have you until we get this figured out. Let the healthy people who are at the least risk go to work do the social distancing thing if you can. But everybody's essential. Everybody's essential. If you can do your work from home, that doesn't mean you're not essential. I'm happy for you. I'm about to go to a work from home situation, which I'm very excited about. And I'm I'm fairly used to, by the way, just doing the writing and the podcasting thing. You kind of, you figure out how to tell your family, hey guys, right now I need to, I really need to focus on this. Can you give me a minute? Or I'll, I'll come find you when I'm done or when I take a break or what have you. Continuing on. Climate Depot article by Jeff Donetz. As we approach winter and temperature decreases, corporations and households will consume even more energy, increasing demand. Winter heating is not an optional cost. Except for maybe igloo producers, one can't allow their families and or employees to freeze. The increase in consumption of energy during the winter will raise prices even higher. The energy costs increasing is fueling increases in any industry that uses fuel. So that will mean that inflation ticks higher and higher still because of energy costs going up. You can't have the cost of producing go up without 
the cost to the consumer going up. And so what we find is the federal government is spending so much more money, and this is Garrett speaking, not the article, for just a second. The federal government is passing spending bills in the trillion of dollars for price tag. Trillions of dollar spending bills. And at the same time, the cost of everything must necessarily go up because energy is scarcer and scarcer. That's the recipe for inflation. One of the ways you decrease inflation is you increase the supply of everything else. If you can't necessarily contract the money supply, you increase the supply of everything else relative to the money supply. If we are contracting the supply of essential energy relative the supply of money, and we're increasing the supply of money dramatically to fund welfare programs, spending projects, social engineering projects, we're going to have sky-high energy costs, which means that everything's going to be more expensive. Food is going to be more expensive, household goods, everything. Continuing on. The price of oil increased so high that Biden begged OPEC to increase production and lower costs. OPEC's first answer was something in Arabic for let's go, Brandon, supposedly. I don't know if that's true. That would be hilarious if that is true. If they did send him let's go, Brandon, in Arabic as a response, I'd be very surprised. I doubt that they did, but. OPEC finally agreed to produce an extra 400,000 barrels a day starting in August 2020, which hasn't stemmed the increase in energy prices. Your timeline seems a little bit off there, unless that was a typo. Maybe that was supposed to be August 2021, August of this year. Probably. American shale oil producing company Occidental Petroleum disagreed with Biden's request to OPEC to produce oil. Per CNBC, they basically said to Biden, Hey, what about us? The chief executive of U.S. oil company Occidental Petroleum said that it would have been preferable if the Biden administration had asked shale producers closer to home to increase production and crude supplies rather than the OPEC alliance that's led by Saudi Arabia. Asked whether President Joe Biden and his team were getting it wrong by asking OPEC to pump more when there are shale oil producers at home, CEO Vicky Holub said that if I were going to make a call, it wouldn't be long distance. It would be a local call. And I think that we could do it cheaply in the United States, as other countries can do. She told CNBC's Hadley Gamble at the Atapec Energy Industry Forum in Abu Dhabi on Monday. I think first you, you stay home, you ask your friends, and you ask your neighbors to do it. And then if we can't do it, you call some other countries, she said. Not only would that strategy produce more energy, it would put additional Americans to work. Biden's energy program decreases the number of jobs, increases energy and other expenses, burdens middle and lower income families, increases imports and decreases exports. It is neither sound energy nor sound economic policy. And there's a little update here. Per the Washington Times, Senator Steve Daines, Republican from Montana. I've heard he's a really great guy from some people who have met him. From my following Steve Daines, by the way, 
uh, he seems like he's a solid guy from my home state. Senator Steve Daines plans to introduce a bill on Tuesday requiring the Interior Department to restart oil and gas leasing on federal lands and waters titled the Smart Energy Act. The bill would require the Interior Secretary to immediately hold at least four oil and gas leasing sales in the top seven energy-producing states. I doubt the political hack, also known as Chuck Schumer, will allow the bill to reach the Senate floor. So says Jeff Dunatz at Climate Depot. So, I read this, and as somebody who works in the oil and gas industry, who has seen good times and bad times in the industry, it seems to me as though it is not an if, it is a when, that the Biden administration is going to have to backpedal on their plan to destroy the oil and gas industry in this country. Midterms coming up about this time next year, one year from now. Biden is in a bad way. Democrats are in a bad way. I keep seeing that Democrats who have been in Congress, in office for a long, long time, in places which have been run by Democrats for a long, long time, either in this past election have flipped unexpectedly, suddenly, or are very much expected to. Biden's not going to make that happen if oil hits $120 a barrel and he insists on sticking to the OPEC please, pretty, pretty please, China and your strategic reserves, pretty, pretty please, bail us out here, help a brother out, come on, man. The Democrats are already on track to get cleaned out in the midterms. They will lose the House. They will lose the Senate. And if the Biden administration sticks to their guns and they don't ease up and they don't encourage domestic energy production here at home that creates high-paying jobs that decreases the cost of energy, which makes the whole economy run much better, much smoother, much more profitably. If the Biden administration doesn't do that, they're host. Now, in the short term, that means that we are in a bad way. All of us. I work in the oil and gas industry, but I've got a big family. And rising costs of everything do make me nervous. I got to buy groceries. When groceries go up and up and up and up and up, one headline I saw said that Thanksgiving dinner this year is expected to be 14% more expensive than it was a year ago. Tell me what the actual rate of inflation is. 14%? That's insane. I'm not making more money in fact, I keep really, really close tabs on how much money I'm making through the year because it is variable and because you do have taxes and things like that that affect your take home. And sometimes you get more hours, sometimes you get less hours. I'm not salary, so it's not flat. But I have made 
as much money this year as I did last year, even though last year included two and a half months straight of no overtime. And so I look at my income being pretty flat and I look at the cost of everything going up and I think I got to figure out a way to increase my income because I, I don't have access to the levers of power to bring costs down for everything except to you know try and do a good job in the industry that I'm in. You're welcome. I'm going to try and do what I can, guys, to <laughs> bring the price of the pump down for you. But this is serious business. I mean, it, it isn't just ho-hum. It isn't just, well, we might have to buy our Christmas gifts this year at the thrift store, which is another headline I saw here recently. It isn't just that. It's serious. And this Climate Depot article is exactly right. It's middle and low income households that are hit the hardest by this. Putting fuel in the tank to get to work is a non-negotiable. Buying groceries is a non-negotiable. Paying your heating bill in the winter is a non-negotiable. So as I see it, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. The Biden administration is going to have to change their minds. They're either going to change their minds or they're going to get absolutely cleaned out in the midterms. When they get cleaned out in the midterms, well, then their wings are clipped and then they're done. They're done in terms of being able to do any more harm, hopefully, maybe. I'm still dismayed to see that the uh, Republicans, too many Republicans, jumped in and bailed out Biden helped him pass his major Build Back Better legislation package, infrastructure package. Kristen Sinema, senator from Arizona, says in no uncertain terms that Biden's agenda was on life support. Republicans absolutely came to his rescue, which I think is a sham. I think that's a travesty that they did so. And if that's the kind of Republican majority that we get in the midterms, well, then we might not be better off, actually, after all. But again, as it seems to me, we're going to have to, have to, have to take the boot off the neck of the oil and gas industry if we want to see these oil and gas prices come down again. We're going to have to. That's just all there is to it. OPEC's not going to do you any favors. China is not going to do you any favors. China's preparing for war, remember? Moving on, talking about something else besides energy prices and lofty ideas of uh, saving the planet from prosperity, human productivity, flourishing. Funny story from last night. We had a spicy ramen challenge. Our boyos and our daughter and myself to some extent had four different types of spicy ramen given to us by 
my sister-in-law, Alyssa. My brother's wife loves Asian food, Asian cuisine, and just for anyhow, when we were over there watching Dune last weekend, she gave me a bag of spicy ramen. Or maybe it was two weekends ago. Two weekends ago, my mother was in town. I went over to say hey. I think that's that's when it was. In any event, bag of spicy ramen for a spicy ramen challenge. And all week long, my boys have been, hey, when are we going to do that? When are we going to do that? When are we? Well, Monday night, just too much going on. Last day at work. It just didn't feel like the right time. Tuesday night, Lauren's got the baby shower. Well, let's not, let's not do that. Let's just watch uh, Three Amigos. Can we do that? Wednesday night, the older boys had youth group. And then last night, hey, can we do this tonight? Oh, sure. Okay, fine. So we had four different spicy ramen varieties. Uh, at least the two spiciest. I don't know about some of the others, but at least the two spiciest varieties are Samyang brand and the spiciest, spiciest one that we had is called 2X Spicy Boldak Artificial Spicy Chicken Flavor Ramen. And it is, for those of you who have never tried it, never experienced it, uh, Scoville Heating Units, some sites that I looked at said this ramen is upwards of 13,000 SHU. Spicy, spicy. Hot, hot, hot. And the next one down was a lot less. Actually, the, the next one down was delicious, truth be told. It definitely has spice to it, but it has a really sweet, creamy, cheesy kind of almost taste to it. Really liked the flavor of that one. Uh, that one, I believe, had it Scoville Heating Unit's rating of like 3,000 or something. But in any event, it was pretty entertaining to have the kids go through. And Enoch and Evelyn, they both were done pretty quick. You know, and, and we had you know, a bowl of not terribly spicy, just a little bit of spice ramen. And then another bowl that was a little spicier still. And another bowl that was a little spicier still. You know, a little bit of heat there, but still tolerable. And then the big one, you know, burn your mouth, uh, level spicy. And so Evelyn, Enoch, they didn't make it to the last one. I don't even know if they made it to the second to last one. I think Evelyn did. I think Evelyn made it to the second to last one. And then she was, you know, pretty quickly ready to be over and done with it. Daniel was able to do some of the the spiciest one. He stayed with it for like five or six noodles. And that's how we did it because you know, we just had one packet of uh, each type of ramen. So we'd, we'd have them take a noodle out of the mix and eat it one at a time and just see like, okay, who bows out first? Who gets, you know, like they can't do it anymore. So it actually it dragged on a lot longer than this 
one spicy ramen challenge I saw where the gal is just like she made the whole bowl of ramen and she eats the whole bowl of ramen and she's just like eating the whole thing like as quick as possible to be over and done with it. And it's it's hot, hot, but then, you know, once she's finished that, that's what it is, right? And so I think a, a single noodle at a time, dragging it out for like an hour and a half <laughs> might have actually been uh, more of a challenge, maybe. I don't know. But it ended up being a three-way tie between Josiah, Eli, and Solomon. All three of them were just, we're not going to give in. And they finished up the entire bowl with the exception of just like a few straggle noodles that weren't big enough to be able to like make anything of. And uh, and then the juices. Nobody wanted to drink the juices, go figure. Eli looked like he was going to pass out. He was, <laughs> it was funny. They they kept asking, they're like, so are you, are you going to, call it like are you out and he he runs into the other room and grabs a Winston Churchill book off the shelf and the the title of this Winston Churchill book comes from Churchill's most famous speech during World War II never give in so he he grabs that he grabbed we had two copies actually somehow it's a it's a book for school so we accidentally have two copies Eli grabs those two copies and he's got those and he's just like waving his mouth with the Winston Churchill book. It was pretty funny. But yeah, that was kind of our evening entertainment last night. Hopefully the boys wake up feeling a little bit better than they went to bed last night. They all were in pretty good spirits, but uh, I have a I have a notion that they're going to be feeling it this morning or today, possibly, maybe. So in any event, I'm going to call that good for this episode. i got to run. I've got a sermon to prepare for this coming Sunday. Still trying to work on that, trying to put as much time into it this week as I can, trying to get that ready. And uh, you can pray for me in that regard. I'll be sure to share some of the reflections on that once that's over and done with but uh, for the time being as always thank you for listening until next time god bless you've been listening to the garrett ashley mullet show on anchor fm for more content like what you just heard subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify also check out the garrett to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published as always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at GarrettAshleyMullet at ProtonMail.com.